Yay, we finally have Boston Herald sports editor Justin Pelletier in. Wow. You do have me on. That it was way too difficult. My yeah, friend. that was that painful. Was entirely, that was entirely too difficult. I've been telling people for a while that our phone stuff here is kind of wonky. And like they all just laugh at me. Like they're like, no, it's fine. I'm like, no, no, it's not. See, I, now we have I'm a witness. Now, now we have we have live we have video evidence. Oh, that's right? true. We Good have video. Point. We have video evidence. In fact, I should I should probably update that he's yeah. he's on the air right now. Okay, so, Justin, you've got a uh, you know you were before we get started on our usual hijinks and ridiculousness. Um, you guys are actually doing some good work. I, I know, uh, actually doing some good work at the Boston Herald this week. Um, uh, talked about uh, ALS. Yeah, and the ice bucket challenge. Let's talk a little bit about that. That that seems like a, a pretty good series. Yeah, it's uh, actually the genesis of the series came from um, from Steve Buckley, our our all world columnist here at the Herald, and uh, um, he uh, had a couple of columns that he was working on that uh, kind of related to each other um, through the theme of of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and so we started thinking, let's uh, let's dig a little deeper here, and so what what came of it was uh, an eight part. A four-day uh, written series plus three or four videos that came out of this as well, uh, talking about uh, life with ALS and uh, some folks from sports who've been afflicted uh, with the disease and, and what efforts are being made to um, to combat the disease and uh, locally, especially where you know some of the some of the fight um, some of the fight to uh, to to find a cure for this disease uh, has been. Uh, right here in Boston, though. So. It's quite a uh, well. You're right too. I mean, that was that was that was a heck of a start on that thing. I mean, that was you know. I think we all remember. I, I remember when I did it. I did it in my bathtub. I don't know if you believe this or not. I missed <laughs> some of it. May have gone down into my kitchen. I don't. You know, just a little <laughs> bit. It could have. Uh, looking back, probably should have done it outside. But you know, we learned some things. You know, my wife know. did it about four thirty a.m. Yeah, yeah. We all we all get better. She did it four a.m. Four a.m. in the dark outside. And what? Sent it, sent it to my kids saying, "You're challenged now." Yeah, they. You know. Oh yeah. What? What the? Why? Why four a.m.? Well, she, she was up getting ready to do something else and oh. went, went for it. You you do know my wife, right? I mean, I've, you've never I, met her. I've never met her. You've heard the stories. I've heard a few. And I, I assume I, I assume there there are things going on. What is you know I, I I keep hearing that baseball's dying, Justin. But yet last night's Red Sox game was the highest rated one of the year, almost a ten share. Like what's what's going on down there? What's going on down well, in Boston? You know it, it's funny. We've had this discussion in the office a little bit too, and, and our beat writers uh, Michael Silverman and Jason Mastrodonato. Uh, you know it's not that it, they're not that whole baseball is dying thing. Uh, that's not necessarily wrong per se. Um, this year's Red Sox ratings on Nesson have been good. They've been better than last year, which is not saying much, but they're still down from two years ago. And if you look across the trend across the, the last, oh, I don't know, 15 years or so, we're still very much in a lull in terms of ratings are concerned. Now, last night's game, notwithstanding, last night's game, they had a couple of factors. Last night's game, first of all, the team had won nine in a row prior to last night. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, that's that's a very big deal. They're going for ten in a row. That will bring out the casual fan every single time. Um, on top of that, you had David Price pitching. Everybody wants to see this guy <laughs> fail, apparently. So you bring so you have you have a combination of everybody wants to see the team win its tenth in a row at the same time as everybody wants David Price to fail. 
at the same time as um, uh, you know, there's quite honestly, otherwise in the, in the sports world, there's nothing else going on. So it was a perfect storm last night in terms of that that particular game rating. But in terms of overall and the case that's been made down here, uh, often uh, I hear it on, on sports talk radio down here. I hear it uh, from from my guys uh, coming back from the park. Is there aren't enough good teams to make enough of the games interesting to sustain something like like a, a full season's worth of, of, of hype fandom. It's just it's, it's a bizarre circumstance this year because it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen in terms of whether the, 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 the competition or how bad the competition is overall. Um, when you're talking about, you know, in the American League, you've got four teams, and then that's it. And, it does, and, and how you do against the bad teams really doesn't matter much. It's bizarre. Well, it is, and you make a go- you know. We were talking about this earlier. Like the Yankees played, uh, they had Cleveland in for three games earlier this year, and they got a four-game series with them this weekend. Okay, so those games matter, and right. you know they win last night. That's all good. When when the Yankees play a team like um, the Orioles or the Rays, or they're playing um, uh, Kansas City, okay. There's only two things that can happen there. One, you want to make sure, or you're as a fan, you're like, okay, they should come in and just, you know, they should win 10 to 1 here. There should be no no issues. They should just be able to outslug them. And when they don't, you actually get mad. Like, if they lose a game, which is what happens in baseball, there are times that you just go in and lose a series to a bad team, even though you're right. a good team. It's just how it works. It's like when they went into Tampa and lost three games by one run, and you're like, what the hell? How does this even work? Um, but that's, those are the things that happen that I think with baseball and fans don't get that. They're not like, eh, well, I'll give them tomorrow. Like the, the fan, the, the sports fan nowadays is mad that they lost yesterday. And if they lose again the next day and you're losing to a team like Baltimore, they can't believe you lost to a team like Baltimore and they think you suck. When in reality, you got one of the best records you've ever had. Although my favorite thing though, right now with Red Sox folks is every time they go another game over 500, they like to compare it to another historic year, and the last two have been 1978 and 1949, and those ended great. <laughs> I yeah, was so. just going to say that. The last, time, the last time the Red Sox were 37 games over 500 was 1949, and the, uh, the, the notable thing that year was that they lost two of three at the end of the year against the Yankees to lose out on going to the World Series. All they had uh, to they, do they, was they win the, the, the final two games. Seven games above 500, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. They were they were thirty seven games over five hundred, and then uh, before the All Star break or at this time of the year, whatever it was, and then all they had to do they were one game up on Friday, and they all they had to do was win one of two games Saturday or Sunday, and Mel Parnell was pitching one of them, and they lost the Mel Parnell game. They blew it late, and then uh, they they lost on on Sunday, and that was that was a wrap. So that was also the year. The Dimaggio, the Dimaggio Williams trade was talked about because they thought that Dimaggio would hit more home runs in Fenway and Williams would hit more home runs in Yankee Stadium, but the Yankees didn't make the deal because the Red Sox insisted that the Yankees throw in Yogi Berra. So that that seemed to apparently Joe DiMaggio, apparently they thought Ted Williams was worth uh, Joe Dimaggio and Yogi Berra. I would say no on that, but it was it was a good attempt. They shot their shot. It didn't work. I would have liked to see that. No, this, but this year's team, it, it's funny. This year's team is, you know, people want to always harp on the negative, and, and there are negatives to harp on, no question. You know, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is hitting below 200, right? Uh, Raffi Devers is, is barely hitting over that. 
Um, and he's on the DL, right? You've got uh, you've got Alexander's having a good year. You've got uncertainty at second base. You know who's who's your who's your starting second baseman this week? Um, uh, David Price is being David Price like. Um, who's your fourth and fifth starter when Wright's hurt? Like there are things to, to question. There are things to question with this team for for absolute certain. But as long as they keep winning. You can question them, but don't berate the team for it. There, it's it's such a good point because here's the thing: we're not going to know any of these answers until October, right? Because right. outside of the Yankees games, which you know, last weekend's Yankees series or the weekend before's Yankees series, okay, there were three blowout games, yeah, either one way right. or the other. Okay, it was it was like the Houston Golden State series this year, it was seven games, but. <laughs> I think one was close. One out of seven was yeah. close. The other time, it was just the other team played better and blew the other one out of the water. So you're going to need to see some serious high-level baseball. There's, I think it's like mid-August, Cleveland comes to town for four. Then the Red Sox go to Cleveland for two in September. By that time, you know it, Cleveland will basically have wrapped up the division. So I can't imagine those are going to be high-pressure you know, events. You know what you worry about when you're having a year like this? It's crazy to, to, to say this. When you get to the playoffs, your team's not ready for those big, intense series because you've been so used to just lollipopping it along. Yeah. But, no, but nobody's going to be, and that's the thing. You yeah, know, you no, that's true. The Yankees are in the same situation. True. The, the Cleveland Indians are in the same situation. Uh, the only team that's getting day-in, day-out uh, competitive stuff is, is Seattle, um, and, and they're uh, racing the West, and that's, and that's it. The one thing I, I will say... Okay, just a just an FYI, um, the Yankees are pretty good in one-run games this year. They've also been pretty good against the playoff teams, i.e., Houston, Boston, etc. So when you start looking at those things, you're really gonna have to break that down. But then at the end of the year, how's it gonna matter? Because if you're not playing, if you're not playing Cleveland until the last week in September or the second to last week in September, and they've already wrapped up the division, how intense are those games gonna be? Sure. You know. And what is right. what is what is Cleveland going to have for a bullpen there? We're really going to go into this playoffs with no idea what to expect sure. from any of these teams. I feel good about the Yankees for a couple reasons, as long as they make it through the stupid one game playoff, okay? Because that's going to happen. <laughs> and that's exactly it. You know, the Yankees are having a harder time facing the teams that um, facing the teams like Baltimore or Toronto. They're having a little bit harder time with them compared to the Red Sox. The Red Sox. They're coming off a three straight series sweeps right now of teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah. And and that's where the distance between the Red Sox and the Yankees is right now isn't the head-to-head. It's the, how did I do against the scrubs? And as long as the Red Sox keep doing that, they're going to knock the Yankees into that one-game playoff, and that's scary as heck. You know, for any team, if the Red Sox are in, yeah, the Red Sox have sale, and they're going to have to pitch them if they go to the one-gamer. The, the Yankees have seven real. They're going to have to pitch them because they have to win that game. And then that throws off the matchups for your next matchup. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened last year. Right. I mean, that 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 uh, they survived it. They managed to get to game seven. But, you know, I, I still think this year, frankly, I still feel pretty confident that uh, that uh, the, the, the sleeper team in all this is Cleveland because Cleveland's going to have a chance to set their rotation. They're going to have a chance well, to yep. set their everything. And, and, they st- and they still have to coach. And that's what people, like, you don't want to overlook it. You, they still have a guy who's known, who knows how to get a team through the playoffs. Absolutely. 
So, well, uh, it, it's interesting, though. It, I'll be... What's it... Normally, this is the time of year we're talking about who the Red Sox are going to get and acquire. Like, right. you know, we're talking at the trade deadline here. You know, All-Star break, I think, is going to be a real big uh, big knell. I don't think Machado is going to get traded this week, and I don't think any. I don't think anything is going to happen until after the All-Star game because uh, nobody wants any stupid... You know, uh, well, because Machado's the Orioles' only representative, too, so that's another whole to-do. So I assume right. that has something to do with it. <laughs> that's great. Going to the All-Star team, playing for one team. Yeah, and then, and, While then, you're there, yeah, you're traded. and then they'll put you in a generic jersey. They've already, like, re- <laughs> yeah, I love it's, it. it's ridiculous. Could you bring us in a Seattle jersey, yeah, please? Could you bring it, yeah, could you put in the... So, but the... the uh, I don't think he's going to get traded until then, but, you know, I, I don't see them being in the mix because the Red Sox uh, farm system is not where yeah, it's been in recent done. years. Um, it, it's 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 definitely shallow right now in terms of high-level talent. I could see them matching up with some teams like the Mets, maybe for Familia, but they're going to need some bullpen help. I think we all, I think we can all look ahead to October. They're going to need some bullpen help, and they may need some bullpen help just to get through August because that's when things can really get dog day for, for bullpens that have been overused. Now, the one thing with the bullpen help thing is, is you mentioned August, but um, once September 1 hits, if they want to bring up when our rosters expand, mm. they can go ahead and, and bring in, I mean, it would de- it would devastate Pawtucket and ultimately Portland and, you know, on down the line, but there's some guys down that way that are, that are doing okay that they can bring up, and they'll be okay. I, I'm not saying that, you know, they but at the same time, they don't need them to be any better than okay because of who they're playing. You know, you, you give the guys that you bring up the, the relief duty against the Baltimores and the Tampas, and then you save your, your regular guys for the, for the ones that matter against the Yankees, against the Indians. You know, you, 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 can, you can set your bullpen with expanded rosters to really kind of pick and choose those spots while keeping everybody else fresh, but at the same time give them a little bit of work. Well, and, and that's a that's a great point. In, in past years, that's something you could do because you could dip down into the bullpen and you got this guy and you got that guy. And there were a lot of guys that ended up coming out and, and ended up becoming starters eventually or ended up becoming quality relievers with other teams. problem is right now, there's not a lot of guys that come out of that bullpen that come up through the, the Pawtucket Boston shuttle and they're like... Boy, those are those are helping. Those are really those are really working good. Because I feel like if if they had some options down there, Matt Barnes wouldn't be pitching every damn night. You know, it's like it goes Matt Barnes and Kimbrel, and you're in in Joe Kelly, and Joe Kelly has been hot cold. Matt Barnes has been hot cold. Kimbrel's good. He's great, but there's it, you got to take the bridge to get there. And <laughs> I don't know what the market's going to be on. Um, I don't know what the market's going to be for for relievers. I don't know what the market's going to be for. Um, I don't know what the market's going to be for uh, quality relievers or eh, relievers. It might be a little more. I don't know what Dombrowski is going to spend, but I don't know. I, I I don't think there's a lot of upward movement. What you see from this team right now is what you get unless think, they get a, a reclamation project or something. And I think that's a, that's one of the biggest things that the people here in Boston. One of the reasons why you're seeing columns about baseball being dead. One of the reasons why you're seeing the panic or hearing on on uh, Boston Bay Sports Talk Radio the panic is because I think people here, for the most part, know that, and they know that the Yankees are going to go out and get an arm and a bat, or one of the other, or both. You know, they know that uh, Cleveland might make a, a, a shifty move here or there to acquire someone like a, de- a depth reliever or something like that. They know that these other teams are going to do that. And, and they know that the Red Sox probably aren't, and so 
the nervousness comes from, okay, we're good and we're beating all these, these crummy teams, but are we going to have what it takes when it matters? And that's where the nervousness comes from. Justin Pelletier from the Boston Herald, sports editor of the Boston Herald. There's no, do you, you, you're, you know, you're down there now, so I, I guess I can, I, in, you're still the big hockey, there's still, do the Bruins do anything right now? Like, are they up to anything? Are they, are they barbecuing? Are they, what, what, what are they doing, per se? Um, like, they are, they are, this is the time of year when, and, and it's not to say that nothing will happen. Um, if Cam makes a deal, you know, Conroy, Steve Conroy, our, our Bruins writer, will be on it. You know, if, if Sweeney goes in and does something, Conroy will be on it. You know, that's, that's not the, um, it's not to say that everybody's asleep, but at the same time, this is the time of year when your Patriots beat writers and your, and your uh, Bruins beat writers kind of chill out a little bit. So are they barbecuing? Are the teams barbecuing? They're probably training their butts off because that's what, that's what hockey players do in the offseason when they're not, you know, jet skiing or, uh, or uh, diving into swimming pools or, uh, you know, gallivanting around uh, Vegas or Montreal or wherever they are. But um, at the same time, yeah, this is kind of off time for the Bruins, especially. This is kind of like, you know, they had their they had their uh, their draft, and then they had their rookie camp. Uh, the next time that the Bruins will get together, they'll be getting ready to go to China. You know, I mean, this is they're they're going on that China trip in early September, so they're going to get better. Sorry, they're going to get ready earlier than some of the other teams because they're taking a traveling group to China for a week and a half. So the. Uh, it, uh, I guess my point was though, like in terms of like player movement and things of that nature, like really seems they they didn't do much to advance their cause. Like I keep hearing, well, Tory Crew could be traded or this person could be traded. I keep hearing oh, this guy could be moved and that guy could be moved. Nobody's getting moved, and they keep losing people. You lose a guy like Riley Nash, I think that hurts you. I, I thought he played really well for them last year. Like I just don't think they're marketably better than last year, and we didn't expect a lot from them last year until we started to expect things from them. You know what I mean? And I kind of wonder, are they going to take a little bit of a step back this year because people are going to take them seriously and they really, they have not I improved. I don't, I don't think it's a step back. And I think this is where people are going to, it will be a perceived step back for many, but I don't think it's a step back. I think last year they were way ahead of schedule, if you want to call it that, in terms of, of this rolling rebuild that, that uh, they, they're trying to rolling, they're trying to roll through. And, uh, you know, that some of their younger guys were better more quickly than they thought they were going to be. And uh, those are the guys that they've kind of kept around and didn't have to do anything with. Like, if you were going to go out and get a big name, if they, if they wanted to go get Noah Hannafin for their defense, you know, for instance, um, who, by the way, you know, John Moore is as good as Noah Hannafin, in my opinion, in the long run. I really believe that. I really believe that John Moore is an underrated NHL defenseman. He's going to be a very good sleeper addition for this Bruins team. But... That, that being said, if they wanted to go out and get a no hand, it was going to cost them some of these guys that are ahead of schedule, like a DeBrusque, uh, like a not a McAvoy's untouchable, we all know that, but like a McAvoy, you know, like like some of these younger guys. You can't trade garbage to get good. And that's what so many, uh, you know, uh, living room GMs and couch GMs forget is that, oh, we don't want him anymore, so let's dump him and get this, this next new 22-year-old stud. Well, you can't do that. No one's going to take Chara for a 22-year-old straight up. It doesn't work that way, you know? And so you, you have to understand there's a lot more to it than just offloading what you might not want because they're getting older for something younger because there's always more to it involved than just simply that. 
Justin Pelletier is the sports editor of the Boston Herald. He joins us on Fridays here on the B-List Daily. Justin, I'll let you get back to it. Thank you very much. Looking forward to some stuff this weekend. And I, I'd say I'd look for some breaking news, but apparently uh, teams know to give everybody uh, you know a week or two off. So that's, that's nice uh, the, Celtics, the, Celtics will, you know, the Celtics will probably be a good source of, of stuff going forward here. The market smart situation is not quite ironed out yet. So that'll, that'll be our, our guys are in Vegas with the team right now. And, uh, uh, I'm sure this news will come out of that, but uh, also uh, don't forget to check out this ALS series that we're doing this weekend. I think that's, uh, that's going to be some good quality work. There's uh, three more days worth, six more parts to roll out here Saturday, Sunday, Monday at bostonherald.com slash ALS, so check that out too. All right. Talk to you next week, my Take friend. Care. Thank you. You got it. Later on. See it. That is Justin Pelletier from the Boston Herald. He's the sports editor of the Boston Herald.